Hey again, everybody. John Porteous with the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Hey, welcome back. Um, after a, a few uh, geographical challenges, we're back, and we've got a couple episodes for you this week. Uh, we're going to start with Kristen Thomas, who is TU's aquatic uh, biologist. We're going to talk um, about a pretty dramatic uh uh, river restoration uh, effort that was done in the upper waters of the Manistee. So uh, without further ado, we'll get started there. And then uh, later this week, we'll have another episode for you that I think we'll, uh, you'll like as well. So here we go. Hello, John and I are back again for another session of the Batcast podcast. Today we have Kristen Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. And she is a uh, TU employee. She's been working up here on Woody Debris Projects and other... Uh, Improvement strategies for the manistee, and uh, well, I'll turn it over to you, Kristen. Thanks. Um, tell yeah. us about yourself. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm an aquatic ecologist for Michigan Trout Unlimited, um, and I've been with TU for um, about 13 years, maybe oh, wow. maybe coming up on Great. 14. Just, wow. just keeps getting longer every year, right? <laughs> every year um, year. It's the gift that keeps giving. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good gig, so let's keep sure. riding it. Um, I started with TU as an AmeriCorps employee right after I finished my master's. So um, I started as a Huron Pines AmeriCorps member. I was just going to ask. That seems to be Mm -hmm. a... Huron Pines up here? Yep. Common path. So Yeah, and I was placed with Michigan Trout Unlimited. So Abby Ertle and that crew? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Yeah, she wasn't a member the year I was there. But yeah, yes, um, same program. Yeah. Um, And when when I was with AmeriCorps, um, my kind of job with TU was to create um, a volunteer data stream data collection program. Um, so Brian Burroughs, our executive director, who started uh, about a year or so before I came to TU, so he was pretty fresh at that time too, um, he wanted to start moving more of our work um, to a science-based place, um, so trying to get information and figure out limiting factors in a river and then address those factors instead of kind of trying to eyeball things a little bit um, and then monitor projects so we knew if they were working. Mm. Um, So we figured the first step in that was to create a way to collect um, data, stream data. So I designed a program for data collection um, during my AmeriCorps year. Um, And then um, the TU and the executive board was sort of like, well, we're not going to be able to continue doing this if we don't have someone, a staff person here to to continue running the program. Um, so they found some grant money um, to keep me on, and then since then I've become, I'm not on soft money anymore. I'm like a All permanent right. staff person. your own now. job. So yeah, yeah. I kind of created, created my own opportunity there. What, yeah. what mechanisms did you use in your program for data collection? Yeah, so in that original one, and it's kind of evolved through time, but in, it was we did temperature, so using um, continuous temperature loggers that record temperature every hour. So we taught volunteers how to put those out and pull them out. Um, and look at the data, and then we did um, habitat, we call it habitat mapping, which is sort of like a quick survey of river habitat, um, looking at the bed form structure, so the amount of run, riffle, and pool in a river, um, and the, a visual estimate of substrate, so like sand, sure. gravel, cobble, boulder, and then also fish cover. Um, we looked at deep water, over two and a half feet, um, aquatic vegetation, and wood in the water, and um, kind of eyeballed percentages of those so we could get an idea about what things might be missing in different places in rivers. And um, we have that data for about boy, um, 20 streams around the state. And so we can kind of now look at 
um, see sort of what some target levels are based well, sure. by You've comparing streams to one another. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good sort of first screening tool to figure out um, what limiting factors might be and then kind of pursue those things. So based on the data that you're retrieving, which I'm assuming you're still retrieving, mm -hmm. um, do those benchmarks then adjust as more data is added to the data set or? Um, yeah, I mean, we keep look. Yeah. So it's not as statistically analyzed at right now as we would like it to be in the future. Right. So it's a little bit more kind of eyeballing things. Um, but we do adjust it. Yeah. Based on um, as we get more data and, you know, depending on where you are in the state, there's some differences in um, general stream characteristics like the gradient or slope of the stream um, can play a big factor in how much wood is in a river because um, if it's, you know, powerful and steep, it can't hold wood as easily as like up here where streams tend to be flatter and a little bit less powerful, right? Um, so we kind of have some regional ideas and then, yeah, we sort of adjust it based on what we see as we get more data. That's exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Our, our goal, our kind of long-term goal, hopefully, is to get some um, good fish population data in a, lot, in a few of those rivers and try to be able to start, start correlating to correlate. it um, with habitat, but we just haven't been able to pull that off quite yet. So I, I, I guess maybe one thing that might help that in years coming forward is that I understand that um, a couple of our local um, conservation groups have uh, been able uh, to successfully obtain a, a gift grant, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, for a lot of electroshocking equipment, mm -hmm. which I suspect will help during those low budget period times um, mm -hmm. that would, you know, were traditionally performed by the state, but using the same methodologies and to provide consistent results. Yeah, and we have, yes, because we, we have electrofishing equipment too, but, you know, a, a limited amount of time, right? So the more sure. people who are getting more information, yeah, it should help give you, us that data. And I guess I was making a little bit of an assumption there in that the methodologies would mirror each other. Mm -hmm. Do you offer that sort of uh, train-the-trainer uh, methodology reinforcement or yeah, whatever? Yeah, right. We have um, in, in the past. I will say, you know, we started that, that the data collection out primarily as volunteer-based, and it's kind of moved through the years a little bit more to our summer crew. We usually have, like, two summer staff, two or two or between two and four, and they do a lot of it now. Um, it's just partially because my time has shifted to a lot more project management, so I don't have as much time to be out um, with volunteers as I used to. Um, but yeah, we do. I do. I will always train train trainers, right, so that okay. they can get similar data. Well, that was but, funny how careers evolved that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, hey, I'm supposed to be out in the field. Yeah, that's one of the things <laughs> I love about TU is that my job at TU is that I really get to steer my work um, based on what I want to be working on more than maybe a lot of other jobs. So that's really nice. nice. Yeah. That's nice. So is fair stereotype to say wood is good in the water? Yeah. But, um, yeah. And uh, I guess maybe we'll segue that to one of your more current projects that uh, has received some notoriety lately, and duly so. Um, maybe you could tell your listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we recently um, put 150 whole, about 150 whole trees in the Upper Manistee River, um, and between Yellow Trees and Rogers Landing, if, if you know that, that river. Um, so upstream of CCC, downstream of M72 um, mm -hmm. in there, in about a two and a half mile stretch. 
Um, and they were placed um, via helicopter drop. Um, so that was a really... Um, Pretty dramatic to witness, actually. Logistically <laughs> challenging leading up, but um, I we, um, we contracted out the project management of the helicopter placement. So um, I... Myself and Chad Kotke, who works for Toronto Limited National as a stream designer, um, were on site to over to tell them where to place trees. But we, Canals um, Outdoor Restoration, was in charge of the helicopter contract, so that was really helpful because that meant I didn't have to directly um, obtain the helicopter and also have a ground crew to hook up the trees and knock down the trees. So. Um, Sean Knaus did a great job getting everything set up ahead of time so that the drop day went really smooth. Um, and it was really cool to see, uh, and not nearly as, luckily, because Sean did a lot of really great prep work, not nearly as stressful of a day as I thought that it might end <laughs> that, up That being. brings up a point. I, you know, where do the trees come from? Yeah, so they were harvested um, from the, the riparian, not the immediate riparian area, but um, from nearby state forest land. So this was trees they actually cut to, for this purpose? They were whole, so they were knocked down with roots intact. Um, wow. Yep, so so the pick site was um, off of, on. there's a road from Yellow Trees to Rogers Landing, and it's just on the, not on the landward side of that road, so not on the riverside, on the land side. Mm -hmm. um, we just did a pick site, and then we also had to have a spot well, two spots where the helicopter could land that so, we had to How clear. big are these trees? Like six inches, eight inches? Yeah, they were... You pull them up by the root ball. Yep, he knocked them over with an excavator, yep, with the, by the root, um, so that they had roots intact. They were pretty much almost all red pines, a few white pines in there, because um, they were there uh, on site. Um, and yeah, they were between about six to ten inches, maybe was the biggest um, hmm. in terms of diameter. Um well, 70, not insignificant. 75 to 100 and or so feet tall. They were pretty big. Um, it, I mean, you know, it's pretty sizable. And then we he tried we tried to really pick a spot um, that had a lot of edge uh, so that the trees had as many branches as possible. Because, um, you know, sometimes those red pines are really close together and they're just kind of like telephone poles without many branches. Mm -hmm. um, and the branches are great for habitat and keeping them in place and stuff. So... Um, we tried to get a lot of edge trees. To... Well, yeah, I mean, having all that, that's just going to provide more nutrients in the water for yeah. aquatic and mm -hmm. fish. No, no way you could have used jack pine. Yeah, no. well, thank they weren't nearby. So. <laughs> they weren't nearby. <laughs> I'm not a fan of jack pine. <laughs> no, well, yeah, it was a nearby situation. So, um, you know, the pick site, depending on where we were working and the river, when we were in sort of the middle part that was closest to where the helicopter was picking up trees we couldn't get on the boat we couldn't get ourselves ready into the next spot before the helicopter was back with another tree well, so, so there wasn't any preference over what kind of tree it just uh, I mean, the oak better than pine or it, well i we so we got the trees from state land and so we had to um work with the forest resources division in terms of what trees we could take so um i don't think they would have let us take a bunch of oak trees you know um <laughs> uh, maybe but um preferable <laughs> no I, I think you know actually i think the red pines worked out well um i mean i it might have been nice to have a few deciduous trees in there but the red pines were good we ended up putting them all in in groups of two or more um so that kind of increased the branching and um and complexity of each structure so that they weren't it wasn't just like a straight tree um so i think it worked out well uh with with the red pines they were they were good as we talk about this and and you've got helicopters lifting trees out of forests placing them in rivers um 
I guess two two questions. One, how do you know where to how how do you know where to put them, or yeah. ideally to put them, um, and and do you, do you put the root ball upstream and the branches downstream, yeah, or do so, you tilt them, or? Yep, those are good questions. So I do want to talk about how we knew where to put them and how this project came to be, because that's that's important, right? Yeah. Um, we didn't just wake up and decide. Um, and it wasn't just to you either, hey, cool um, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Fun. Let's put it. Let's use a helicopter to drop trees. So um, for the last, I guess maybe since 2019, um, I've been facilitating um, a, a pretty diverse group of partners um, to work on the Upper Manistee. So we've been calling it, I think, the Upper Manistee Collaborative. Um, but it's a bunch of different partners, including DNR, Eagle, Fish and Wildlife, Forest Service, um, a bunch of TU chapters, Upper Manistee River Association, so a lot of groups. Um, and the idea, and then it was all sort of um, spearheaded, or, or the reason it got started is there was a private donor who wanted to be able to put some money into a river and, and see improvement. And he came to us to ask what rivers might be good candidates. Um, and Brian um, Burroughs presented some options and, and they decided on the Upper Manistee. Um, so he gave us some seed money to be able to have our time paid for to do all of the um, project, the group facilitation and project management to identify some work to be done on kind the river. Kind of the due diligence style. Yeah, which is, um, that's always really hard money to get and it's why sometimes the due diligence isn't as diligent as we'd like because, okay. you know, right, everybody has to, at the end of the day, you have to be able to pay your bills, right? So right. Um, sometimes you're not able to, to do as much there. But it allowed us to have this really great process. So with that group of partners, we tried to get all the data we could find um, about the Upper Manistee River. And I looked at all that information and put it together into kind of a report. And um, there's a map online to also that has summaries of the data um, points uh, for all of the information that we have, and you can click on it and see, see and the information. And this is on the Michigan TU site? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it is at the moment, okay. but um, it, it's publicly available. I just, it, it's We'll, we'll huddle back after yeah. the podcast, and we'll put some links in the yep. show notes so that people yes. can click that would, as they yeah. will. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, perfect. it's an it's an ArcGIS ArcGIS online map. Um, oh sure. And it's easy. Yeah, easy to yeah. use. So based on all that data, then we had a meeting with all the partners to try to decide um, where it was pointing us and what the highest priority projects might be. Um, and through that meeting, um, the most common idea was that this stretch of river um, from Yellow Trees to CCC Bridge has a lot of really wide sandy shallow areas that, that people felt like were getting wider and sandier and shallower through time mm -hmm. um and that that was probably one of the biggest issues um kind of limiting habitat and the fishery um in in the upper manistee and so and with a emphasis that rogers landing um which isn't a really well-known spot but it's a really there is a canoe landing back there but it's um it's kind of hard to get to but it's really wide um it's a really really wide shallow really sandy spot and that was kind of the focus so we all floated it together um to come up with some ideas about what to do and decided that yeah it really did need attention and there was work to be done there um so then we got funding um to do do some work and try to figure out what to do um and so Chad Kotke was, was helped us with the design of this project um, from Trout Unlimited National. 
and we decided to do a bunch of hinge cuts so that's kind of cutting trees partially and um, letting them fall into the river um, to mm -hmm. add some habitat and then they stay secured um, so we hinge cut I, I think about 150 trees um, between yellow trees and CCC um, the year not this summer but the year before and then the second part was these whole trees um, adding those by helicopter uh, and and the reason we ended up doing it um, via helicopter is because there's just really not access exactly. at all there's not a whole in there. <laughs> um, so there was really no other way to do it. And actually what ended up happening is a lot of the spots we wanted to hinge cut trees, there there weren't trees um, to cut. So you can't hinge no, cut them, right? Problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so we shifted, you know, we kind of field fit and shifted where we cut trees for the hinge cuts, you know, to places where there were trees. Uh, but then we came back with the helicopter trees and we ended up doing putting a lot of trees in those spots where we wanted to hinge cut that we couldn't. And so almost all of the trees, not all, but most of the trees are oriented um, with their roots on shore and then the tops in the water um, to keep them in, to help keep them in place. Okay. Um, and a lot of them, they're all in groups of two or more. Um, and we kind of tried to set them up. Um, Sean Knaus uh, likes to call them pitchers and catchers. He's a baseball guy, I guess. Okay. Um, but so spots where you're right, where you're trying to create deep water, and that's pitching sand, right? And then catchers are, are trees that are set up to collect sediment that maybe okay. you've pitched, right? So to, to keep that from yeah, right. So to give it somewhere to go, and then that also helps. Um, you know, it's creating a bank, right? If you're collecting a lot of sediment through time, that might end up creating deeper water over mm -hmm. here on the other side of the river because now all the, the sand's gone over there. So we tried to do some of that pitching and catching as we went down. And then there are a few that are in the river, um, like in the middle. And those, the roots are up on most of them. Um, some some are the other way because we had to kind of pile them um, to secure them in Just place. To yeah, get them to match. Sort of like a puzzle, right? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so those, and then those, you know, as water flows down, it'll bounce around those roots and create some deep water off the sides. And it's the same with the trees, a lot of them that have the roots on shore, and then the tips are often oriented upstream. Um, and then that water flows off the tip and it, concentrates the flow um, and it'll create some depth and some um, So the, the goal is to increase the velocity water. and make it deeper. Right? Yeah, so yeah, the goal kind of to, be, to be careful how sludge. I say, say yeah. this because yeah. <laughs> permits, but the goal is to change the speed and direction of water, right? Okay. So how you get habitat diversity is a variety of speeds and directions of flow and that'll that'll create changes in the shape of the river bottom um and so yeah the the goal is to create some areas where there's faster water and where it's changing directions and can create some some depth so as part of this project um we had because it's kind of uh, not it ha i mean it has this type of work has been done in michigan before but not in a while or a few years um we had to do a whole bunch of monitoring for our eagle permit um and so we'll be keeping pretty close track at a few of the sites of how um, the shape of the river changes. So by taking um, elevation surveys moving across to see the Could you use changes. a river model? Like I know here on Pines they have that uh, table that I think Patrick used to mm -hmm. go roll over the place with and he'd show you if you do this and the <laughs> yeah. river will change it. Is that the kind of modeling? I assume it was more sophisticated on a computer. but 
Maybe it was more just in our brains, but that's the idea. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, but yeah. Gonna, right. Are we going to do a deep dive into computational flow dynamics? <laughs> no, or? we're not. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, that's the kind of analysis you did but, in order to. But yeah, that's the thought. Right. That's the thought process right of thinking about how a river functions and then how we can improve that function and right a, a river's primary function is to move water and sediment and we but we want it to do that efficiently and um and how it's supposed to for the type and shape of the river so in in this area of the upper manistee there were some places where the river wasn't moving sediment efficiently it was dropping out and creating these wide shallow areas um so we want to try to restore that function to the river. So that uh, it doesn't heat up as much and you don't get the, uh, the vegetation growth. It, yeah, right. and right, so it doesn't heat up, so there's better habitat. I mean, gosh, some of those places are so wide and shallow with such limited deep water and good places. I, I mean, I can't imagine a fish wanting to swim up through through there. You know, it's like a desert. It's, it's sure. just yeah. open. Is, is the riverbed in that portion of the Manassee such that more gravel will be exposed as a function of this project? Um, I hope, I mean, that'd be great if that, I don't, it's hard to say for sure. Hopefully, I just always thought right? the Manistee should be the river of Stan and It's very, it, yeah, it, I agree. It's a very <laughs> sandy stream. So I don't want to overpromise on, no, on no, no, course no. substrate, and, right? And not asking um, for any commitments. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yes, it's super sandy. Um, it's, it, I think it is more sandy than the Osable. I agree. It should be the river of sand. Um, but hmm. there are parts in there, um, in that stretch that have coarse substrate that have some rocks and gravel. Um, so I hope that we do see at least some small pockets kind of open up where there's some coarser substrate. I've always we'll kind of felt that that water to be kind of larger brown trout area. Is that, do, that's me being, you know, grabbing something out of the air. What, do, do you find that from your scientific position? That's a really good question. So um, the tricky part about that stretch of river is um, it, you can't, the only fish sampling we ha have for there is fishing because um, it's too big for um, what, like what we call a stream barge shocker, um, which is one that you push along and you have mm -hmm. two or three probes. Uh, it's too big for that. And it's too, we used jet boats for this helicopter work and it was a thrilling experience. No doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and I mean, Sean sure did beat up his boats um, doing that. There was a, a lot of sand running through. Um, uh, yeah, the running jets. Through those I jets. How they like that. Yeah. So, um, so it's not big enough for a boat. A boat shocker. So it, it means that it it's not sampled for fish um, other than fishing. So I don't. I'm. But yes, I think there are big browns in there. There's also brook trout in that stretch too. But I think um, when and most people want to fish through there it's it's to try and get big browns okay. yeah. yeah from now that now that the trees are in place um and again accepting that it's it's going to be hard to quantify as a function of shocking but will you go back and you know, kind of poke around and look around and yeah oh fish have moved into this cover um so i don't have plans for any fish related monitoring that i'm gonna do okay. um we have a lot of other monitoring that we have to do um for this project which is great i love uh, it's great that that that's included in our permit so that we have to do it because the only way to learn if stuff is working is to monitor it so um, i'm excited to do that work yeah, feedback um, loops everything. <laughs> yeah, but it might be great to, you know, find a few anglers who are willing to, um, 
consistently spend some time through there and see um, see how they're how they're catching in that area. Yeah, or get a GoPro and kind of stick it in some holes or something. But I was just yeah. honestly kind of thinking that same thing. Could you put it in a waterproof enclosure and just you know dunk it for a couple of days? Yeah, I, right. I haven't done that, but you can. People do or have, or at least even just you know moments in time. Um, it might be cool to see. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we have to. How many guys do we know that put on masks and snorkels? And right. You can I want to see what's under that log. You can also do that. Yeah. So, yeah, we have to float through there and um, and take pictures of all the structures every year for five years, I think. Okay. Um, so uh, maybe I should get a well, GoPro. So, and... I assume you're going to be, you know, again, able to make some correlations based on the, the flow data and the temperature mm-hmm. data and that sort of thing and, and know that you're... Yeah. Being successful. Yeah, and I mean, and it'll be that that river shape um, data too. Will be so we have pre data of what um, the channel cross section or what the river bottom looks like going across in um, nine different cross sections through oh, cool. there. Um, and so we'll keep doing those too. Um, and one of them, so I had to set those up prior um, to when we installed the wood so it was a little bit of a guessing game i mean i knew you know where we planned to do things but um when when you're our helicopter pilot was amazing he did a really great job but it's still a helicopter and he's still you know so it's not maybe like well, it's not a laser right or a so there's thing. some there's some variability <laughs> yeah, of exactly yeah, yeah. where things end up um but he did really well uh, so, but I did, you know, the one, we have one structure that's quite a few logs in the middle of the channel, like six, I think, trees. Um, and actually I have a transection that transect that goes right through the middle of um, that, which is perfect. Oh, so that's we'll going to be ideal. Yeah. It, and it worked out really well. So that's super great. Um, we'll be able to watch how that changes through time. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You could, I mean, this, I, I don't want in any way, you know, back shelf this because significant project <laughs> but this is just like every day for you this is well you've got some other projects <laughs> that are rocking that yeah are... i do this one was a big one um i mean it was yeah it was a big one but yeah we do lots of other work too um we removed a dam um in the osaba watershed this year um which was a great a great little dam removal it was on um a tributary to the big creek by luzerne um it's hunt creek it's mm-hmm. called um and that dam was warming hunt creek like up to 10 degrees at times in the win- in the summer and that all the way to big creek you could see it an increase of like five degrees of warming as it flew mm-hmm. flowed in um so we got that dam out uh this summer and it's looking really great that project is um is pretty that's cool. pretty exciting so, yeah, that was a good one. The, the landowner, the dam owner, brought that one to us, and we were able to um, find fund, fu- fully fund it. So they didn't have to spend any money, um, but they let us remove it. Hardly so gets better than that. Yeah. The, um, with, with regard to dams, so that's that's an issue pretty much everywhere. Yep. The, um, is that w- your involvement in TU uh, at the state level, is that a, a priority? Is that, <laughs> you know... Yeah. spoken goal type <laughs> it is a priority for us for sure um so yes it's a priority for so many reasons right but uh, big ones being um you know think cl- changing climate things warming the be- the best defense we have to that is keeping our water cold and the easiest 
the most accessible change we can make to try to help keep our water cold is get rid of dams that's warming it up, right? Um, so it's a huge priority in that regard. Um, also, our executive, executive director, um, Brian Burroughs, did his master's and PhD on dam removal, so it's sort oh, of well, his, yeah, his favorite work to do. Uh, so that helps. Um, yeah, so yeah, it is a really high priority for us, um, and we're always looking to help get as many out as sure. we can. Sure. Are there, are there other imminent decommissions on the horizon? Um, maybe. We've been working, so... Um, and I, and I'm not looking for any secrets here. No, I just yeah. conceptually, I just, you know... Yeah. Are there... There are plenty of obvious targets. I yep. just didn't know if any of them were achievable. Me, we have a, a couple more small ones we're hoping to get done in the next couple of years. Um, in the Asable, actually, um, there's one um, on the main stem in Frederick. It's at like uh, it's at Hulbert Road. It, there's a dam there, and those landowners want that are excited to to remove that dam. So we're working on hmm. trying to make that happen. Um, and another one, there's a couple others in the watershed that DNR owns. They're historic logging dams that um, okay. now are trying these, to work on getting out. Are these sod dams, uh, concrete dams? So the dams? Hulbert is concrete. Um, it has like it has flashboards and a concrete oh, um, wow. spillway. Okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not big. I mean, that's what um, Murray Dam was, and that was it was just one day with an excavator oh, okay. getting it out. So. so when you take out a dam, do you, do you just pull it out? Or do you, is there some kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. mitigation? <laughs> right. All the sludge that's behind it and everything question. that's in it to come um, down It depends on the situation, yeah. right? It depends on the situation and what you have and how much of an impoundment there is and how much there is upstream. Um, so um, for this most recent one we did on Hunt Creek, um, the landowners are the Murrays, so we call it Murray Dam. Um, we drew down the impoundment um, last year um, gradually. They did it over time kind of at, in a controlled way. Um, and so once once the impoundment was drawn down, um, you know we could see that um, it's a pretty it it's a it not a ton of sediment was going to move. Um, mm -hmm. And then pretty quickly downstream, it hooks up with. Um, West Branch of Big Creek. So stuff's um, gonna wash away and dissolve. Pollution is dissolution, right? So solution to pollution is dissolution. So yeah, we weren't so worried. <laughs> no, but um, okay. about about um, sediment for that one. So that dam we were able to just take out. But that's not true everywhere. So you do have to be careful about what's back there, how you draw it down. Um, sometimes you need to test and make sure there's not contaminants in the sediment because if there are, then you know you can't just let them wash. Oh, sure, sure. Downstream. That's another story. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I think back to um, the dam breach on the Pigeon mm -hmm. uh, that was not controlled, yep. um, that did result in mortality. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we definitely, so, you know, along those lines, we keep, CN seems to keep popping in the conversation. So <clears throat> I know at one point in time, sand traps were kind of a thing. Um, and there are sand traps in various locations and, you know, the river and the tributaries. Mm -hmm. What is, what's the, is there a new philosophy or an evolving philosophy or? Just trying to give me landmines to step on here. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> controversial. I'm doing it. Well, no, these are <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no. I had so, no idea. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, 
So sand traps, yeah, right. We used to use them a lot. So the thing with sand traps is, so there's a couple things. Um, one is that, as we've talked about, our rivers up here have a lot of sand, and they they always will, right? So that sure. doesn't mean there's never a place for sand traps kind to of make sense. Thing. But there's always, yeah, right. There's always <laughs> going to be a lot of sand, no matter what. Um, and then the other thing is that in order for the sand traps to work well, they have to be designed um, big enough, deep enough, wide enough. And that's, um, I'm not the expert here, Brian is, but it's a, bi it's a big size in order okay. for it to work um, properly. And which becomes cost prohibitive because mm. an excavation is expensive. Well, you've got size and then you've got ongoing maintenance, right? Right, right. Um, so it becomes harder to make it make sense to have them if you're sizing them properly. Um, and if they're not sized properly, then they're not going to do the work that you're hoping. Why don't we describe a sand trap? Oh, good idea. People like me that don't really know what they are. <laughs> That's a really, thank you. That's a really good idea. So a sand trap is, um, uh, it's put in a river to trap sand, right? And so um, the way rivers work is that they carry, they always carry sediment. So I said before, a river's job is to carry water and sediment. So every river has a suspended sediment load that it just carries. Um, but it has to be moving. The water, if the water slows down, less than, slows down enough, then the sediment will drop out. Um, and so a sand trap is providing a place for the water to drop out its to lose its sediment. So you dig a deep, wide hole, and um, when the river flows into that area, it's a much it's a much greater area for the water to occupy, so the water slows way down um, because it has a lot more space. And then when it slows way down, the sand drops out into that sand trap and is collected there. Um, so and then they just have to be excavated periodically to right. clean them up so they'll work again. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yep. It's an engineered thing. I thought yeah. it was just something that happened in the river. Yeah, well, I mean, it does happen naturally too, right? Um, but yeah, the sand trap is an engineered. And then, then though, so the water's going to go pick up more sand after it leaves because it wants sure. to have that water. You know, it's hungry water. But. Well, so a while back in several years, I, I, was, I, I seem to recall an article about a device that I want to say it was a Canadian firm, perhaps, something called a sand wand that was just was like a vacuum cleaner for rivers or something. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. on a very simplified. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Is that a thing? Is that. <laughs> it is a thing. Um, so I think um, the, the uses where it makes sense to uh, kind of vacuum out sand, I think, are pretty narrow. And I say that because. Um, a river is gonna, you know, continue to kind of do what it wants to do. So, if you vacuum the sand out of a place um, without addressing why that place was collecting sand, right? It's just gonna come back, mm -hmm. right? Because Makes sense. It, it, there's a reason the the flow was changing, and that's why it was dropping its sand there. So, if you don't address that issue, it's it's gonna refill. Um, but in some cases, it makes sense. So I know they do use some of those. Um, sand suckers um like in uh <laughs> i knew there was a technical right term. A technical term. <laughs> i think it's called a sand dredge but um <laughs> uh in for coaster brook trout so up near houghton i know they've done some work well there where they'll come in and suck the sand off of known spawning areas for coasters um because they aren't able 
to address the overall issue right now, uh, fix it right now, but they want to be able to maintain that spawning area for coaster brook trout. So it's sort of a really... Um, and coasters are, just to just veer off for just a quick second, kind of a freakish mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? Yeah, so there's not a lot. So coasters are brook trout that um, go out to the lake. Mo mo they're mostly found in Lake Superior. That's where we know where most of them are is in Lake Superior. Um, and so they go out and live in the lake um, and get big, and then they come back to the river to spawn um, and have babies. And then some of the, it seems that not they don't necessarily decide to, not every brook trout of coaster parents decides to become a coaster brook trout. Um, okay. I mean, I don't know if it's a decision, but it's not quite that simple. But either way, some of them do. So um, there, But there aren't a lot of spots in Michigan that we know about where coasters spawn. Mm -hmm. Just like a few rivers over by Houghton, the salmon trout, um, the pilgrim, uh, are some places where there's known coaster brook trout spawning. So we're trying to protect that um, sure. and make sure they're able to spawn because... Um, there's a pretty limited number right now as compared to what um, there was in the past and they're trying to figure out how to keep them going and, and improve that population. Yeah. yeah. Well, and again, I didn't want to take you off oh, the no, sand sucker, but... <laughs> I think she'd be happy to leave that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps <We're> so. <laughs> Regardless, it's, um, it's pretty neat that you're able to, you know, use some different techniques if mm -hmm. you will or have you know a few different tools in the toolbox that you can go to yeah. um i think there was there's something else you're involved with uh, at the moment too i think uh relative to the east, east branch of the osable mm -hmm. uh the east yeah so okay. are you at liberty to oh sure oh, okay. yep um yeah we're <laughs> right now we're working with anglers of the osable um to try to design um fish passage at the Grayling Fish Hatchery. Um, so there's a dam there right now um, that fish can't pass um, through the hatchery. And so we've been working with anglers and then our engineers, Spicer Group and um, Streamside Ecological Services um, to come up with a pretty cool design of how to improve habitat um, through, through the hatchery and that channel and also um, allow fish passage to happen there and while while allowing the hatchery to continue operating at its current for, um, for those that may levels. have a hard time visualizing it is this like a uh, a freeway byway thing um uh, no so well kind of so right now the way um it's set up is um <clears throat> the east branch flows down and then there is um like a diversion that takes water into the hatchery um, and then it goes a little ways further and then there's a dam that's holding the water at the level it needs to be in order to feed the hatchery. So the purpose of that dam right now is to allow that water to flow into the hatchery and then the, it flows down the dam and then through um, a channel which um, upon review of lots of historical images is actually a raceway um, that's not a raceway that's, anymore. Okay, that's what I was um, <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't look like a raceway now, but that it is quite a bit more narrow um, and confined than um, what the river channel should be as it flows through the hatchery. So um, if we're able to um, implement the project as we have it designed right now, we would be widening that um, channel to make it um, not be rip, ripping through there quite so fast so give it give it a little bit more cross-sectional area we call it um, and then taking out um, leaving so the dam is actually a bridge 
that goes to the other side of the property and there's a house, uh, a building um, on the other side. So we have to maintain vehicle access to that other side. So the um, bridge will stay, but all of the boards would come out of the dam to reconnect the grade. Um, and then we would create um, a weir upstream right below where the hatchery inlet is to hold that, um, that elevation that the water needs to go into the hatchery and then step it down through a kind of cool riffle um, section until it gets to the... Kind of a stair step sort of affair. Yeah, but um, we wanted it to not look like steps, you know? Okay. Because um, that's not maybe Sorry. the most... No, 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 it's, that's the right thing. But So that's what we originally had planned was um, to put in five um, what we call cross veins. So it's a, it's a step, right? A step, pool, step, pool. And um, we thought that's really going to look not natural at all, you know, for this river... Um, so instead we have this weir at the top and then it's like a, a riffle, um, that's, that just spreads out the grade until we get to another one of those cross veins, but it has a bunch of boulders and wood in there. So the way, it a little bit. yeah, and to create spaces, um, a variety of velocity. So to create places where fish can tuck in, um, and where they're able to pass through. So the way water works is the coarser your channel is. Um, so the more wood and rocks and stuff in there, um, the more you can slow, it slows the water down and creates that diversity of flow that allows things to pass through. So we will just make it like a really coarse kind of riffle channel with some wood. Um, so it looks a little more natural, but still facilitates passage up through is the plan it's not approved yet but no well we'll plan. knock wood that uh things go forward as yeah. you hope and mm -hmm. the plan on papers uh, i hope able so to be executed. it's cool I, I hope we get to do it it's a cool project that's neat mm -hmm. that's neat um and and i don't know if this is in your do do you do with any of the the chemistry of the water i don't really okay. i mean just temperature Okay. Um, but yeah, no. that's what, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. just with all the mm -hmm. talk of the, uh, PFAS, I didn't know oh, if we yeah. want to walk into that, uh, water and we'll just stay away from that for the day. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. The, um, well, so how are you going to judge the success of the project, uh, of the hatcheries project? Hatchery. Um, that's a good question. Um, Float a fish through it? Or? Yeah, right. I mean, so I, I guess we haven't really, you know, talked about, um, if, I mean, I guess, so what we have done in the past when we've been doing similar fish passage projects is um, just taking velocity measurements throughout okay. um, to see how fast the water's moving. So we have it all modeled um, right now. And so we know what we think the velocity should be kind of at each structure and each pinch point. Um, but just getting in there with a flow meter is enlightening. And often um, you find a lot of, so the way, when you model it, um, the models give you an average velocity for that whole area of river. So the whole spot where you're um, modeling. And of course the velocity is not the same at every spot mm -hmm. in a river, right? So um, we did a similar project on Prairie Creek um, in Ionia at an old dam where we put in some um, some steps these those do look like steps um <laughs> to facilitate they look nice though to facilitate fish passage and we went back with the flow meter to check uh check those because some of them looked a little bit fast or tall and there were a lot of spots of water that was a lot um slower than you know what it looked like um 
when you get lower, you know, to that, there's a boundary layer when you get close to the bottom or to rocks where the speed of water really slows down, slows down nearby. Yeah. Uh, and it provides spaces where they can get through. So, yeah, maybe, you know, we'll probably go through um, with a flow meter as we're installing it and see um, how things, um, how velocities look. And then also it'll be a pretty, um, a pretty kind of regulated construction so there will be a lot of checking elevations of, of to make sure things go in at okay. the height As they're prescribed. supposed to be yeah, yeah. yeah. neat it's mm -hmm. very cool yeah well we're going to keep our fingers crossed for it now yeah. yeah so overall from from the state level if you will you know we've touched on a few of your projects are there are there other projects or initiatives uh, priorities goals whatever that uh, you'd like to touch on or kind um, of enlighten our listenership yeah what else do we work on so many things um you know i touched on a lot of the work i i'm doing right right now i mean there's more on the manistee and some other stuff but you know other stuff we do at michigan to you um uh, is a lot of advocacy for um you know for responsible legislation and um and advocacy to the nrc for good um, management and good good fishing regulations, sure. um, good choices there. So I don't do much of that, but um, Brian Burroughs does a mm. lot. Um, and also he's very involved with um, with the statewide water withdrawal um, system. Sure, the groundwater withdrawal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to make sure that it's as protected as possible and that it's getting updated and um, and working how it's supposed to. He's, he's very, very involved um, with trying to make sure... That's working because, of course, you know, groundwater is our, our only yeah, source of cold water here. So Sort of important. Yeah, <laughs> critically important. Yeah. To it's, well, it's, it's interesting how we can um, enable some of that extraction um, in the face of others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, it's a you know, Yep. <laughs> kind of struggling with that at the moment. So yep. we'll, uh, we'll not tap dance into the politics there, but the... Uh, it's it's good stuff, and you're doing a lot of good work, and uh, we're grateful for what you're doing. Thanks. We really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day, sure, which is not idle, <laughs> and joining us okay. for our podcast and enlightening our listeners. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot for be, joining us. Yeah. Very good. Well done. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you showing up, especially it's, it's later in the day, so you're probably on overtime. Oh wow! Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever okay. you get. Yeah. I was up here anyway, so no There you deal. go. Yeah. Excellent fun. Kristen's a excellent uh, young woman and a great mom and talented professional and really happy that she could take time out of her day to join us. So uh, stay tuned midweek. Join us for Forrester Greg Chorus. Uh, Greg's got um, some interesting ideas on uh, on our forests and uh, uh just a general all-around fun guy. So uh, we'll do that um, later this week. So until then, mind your back cast. <laughs>